0: Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out, and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos on ninety-three WIBC. So
1: let's rock! It. I do believe it is the responsibility of the prosecutor's office to see a person who has an interaction with the criminal justice system and do something about it. It is a responsibility of the prosecutor to use the laws that are in place and use prosecutorial discretion to reach the right conclusion. But one thing I want to make clear is I do not want Indianapolis to become a San Francisco, to become a New York City, to become a Los Angeles. And that is precisely the rhetoric that we're seeing here in our community.
0: That was Cindy Carrasco last night at the Prosecutors' Forum, the North Shadeland Alliance Marion County Prosecutor Forum. My name is Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. He's got monkey pox, which means... <laughs> Christopher Hammer. What's up? 18 years old, senior class president, El Presidente. Are you ready for the roller coaster that is the Hammer and Nigel show? I'll bring it on. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, so again, last night, from what I'm being told, and again, TV cameras were not allowed at this event, but they did stream it and post it later on. It was civil, but spirited. Because this wasn't a debate last night between Cindy Carrasco and Ryan Mears, Marion County prosecutor candidates, Ryan Mears, the unelected incumbent, Cindy Carrasco, the Republican, trying to unseat Ryan Mears. From what I was told, it was a spirited crowd, a packed crowd, but it was also civil. There weren't too many moments of, like, booing and people running around with their shirts off and fighting. It wasn't like that last night. It was a very mild-mannered town hall, but you definitely got a feel of where these candidates stand. Now, before we get into any of the highlights or lowlights, whatever you want to call it from last night, Chris, let me ask you this. You're a high school senior. Yep. You live in Marion County. Mm -hmm. Do any of your friends talk about the violence or the murders or anything like that. Like, is that a topic of discussion for people around your age or is it just high school stuff? Uh, Believe it or not, that is
2: not a topic that comes up at the beach Grove high school lunch table. Uh, (laughs) uh, But I will say the school itself is taking notice because we got the email the other day that they're going to be installing a metal detector for us to go through the front doors. When we go to school every day.
0: Now, this metal detector, this is a new thing, right? Some of the schools have been doing this for a long time. Right. But Beach Grove, this is kind of a new thing.
2: Yeah, this is new thing. Just put in this year. It's going to be... We've never had this before, and... Well, yeah. listen,
0: it's probably... Even though you guys don't talk about it at the lunch table... <laughs> right. I'm willing to bet the administration of Beach Grove High School and other schools around Marion County are saying, you know what? These metal detectors, we're putting these things in because... Well, we feel a little concern about what's happening in the community, right? They're not being put in because things are too safe, (laughs) right? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So let's get into last night. Uh, Again, this was the North Shadeland Alliance, the Marion County Prosecutor Forum. This is Ryan Mears, the incumbent, talking about what he won't prosecute.
3: I will always make sure that the priorities of the Marion County Prosecutor's Office reflect the priorities of the community that we serve. And the priorities of the community that we serve is we want you to focus on violent crime. We don't want you messing around with dumb things like possession of marijuana. And I will never prosecute a doctor, a nurse, or a woman for exercising their right to choose.
0: And you hear a little pop of applause there at the end. And again, it was kind of a political deal. If you are somebody that is probably a Democrat, you were cheering for Ryan Mears. If you're somebody that actually believes in law and order, you were probably cheering for Cindy Carrasco last night. But Chris, I go back to you. This is a prosecutor that goes out of his way to say what he won't prosecute. Could you imagine doing that in one of your classes? Like (laughs) if a teacher gives you an assignment to write a two-page essay on what happened in 1776 and you told said teacher, yeah, I'm not here to do that. Here's what I'm going to do. How does that go over for you? Uh, I probably
2: would have been told to shut up and leave right now. (laughs) Just go ahead and get out
0: and go home. We don't want you here. And because your last name is Hammer, you would have been told to shut up. I know how exactly things work. Um, This is Cindy Carrasco. This was kind of a poignant moment last night where she's talking about the story, that we had on Friday of a woman who was killed at a daycare center, dropping off her children, killed by a repeat offender who should not have been out.
1: My life was rocked last week when Crystal Walton, a woman who was simply dropping off her children on the west side of Indianapolis was gunned down at a daycare center. I didn't know Crystal, but as a woman, as a mother to Sarah, my daughter, who is right there, that hit close to home. And it is incredibly important that the prosecutor's office focus all of their resources on those cases to make sure that we get them right so that there is no more Crystal Waltons in domestic violence cases.
0: And at the beginning of that clip, you can clearly see Cindy Carrasco looking at her daughter. She almost chokes up a little bit. You could hear it a little bit at the beginning of that clip, but that was speaking from the heart. Now, let's go into the million-dollar question. Does Marion County have a public safety crisis? This is Ryan
3: Mears. Well, I think the biggest thing that we need to do is we need to improve on the numbers that we have. Uh, You know, if you look at the homicide numbers, they're trending down, uh, which I think is, is important. You know, and there's going to be a lot of discussion today about the prosecutor's office and the role of the prosecutor's office in our community. But one of the things that we can never lose sight of is what are the root causes of these issues? What causes someone to be involved in violent crime? What causes someone to be a victim in violent crime? What are those root causes? Is it poverty? Is it addiction? Uh, is it mental health issues? And so, I mean, those are the challenges that need to be addressed and be, to be examined. Uh, no one's happy with where the numbers are as it relates to violent crime. But I think the one thing that I would point out is you know, the prosecutor's office has been in a position to hold a number of people accountable over the last three years as it relates to homicide cases.
0: And listen, I'm all for examining the root causes of crime. Nobody's saying that that's a bad idea. But while you're doing that, can you please lock up lunatics? That's all we're asking. And apparently we're asking too much when it comes to Ryan Mears. Now, in regards to downtown Indianapolis, where we've looked out our window and we've seen groups of protesters and rioters come through before where you can walk around Monument Circle and see crime and poverty and homelessness, one person after the other. Guy Relford, the big badass gun guy, was accosted on Monument Circle before a segment he did with us once. Here is Cindy Carrasco on the situation that we've got downtown.
1: The perception that downtown Indianapolis is not safe is absolutely the reality. I am not running for prosecutor simply because of the perception of violence in downtown Indianapolis. I'm running for prosecutor because I'm hearing from people all over the community from all over our county who are saying that they are the victims of crime. And the the common thread is that their, their offender are repeat violent offenders that have been put back out on our streets to victimize them. And the question is, Why is crime so high in Indianapolis when we know that we continue through plea deals from the Marion County Prosecutor's Office to put people back out on our streets?
0: Chris, you've been coming downtown with me for a long time, whether it's to go to a ball game, whether it's to go out to dinner or shoot baskets here at our company gym. It's probably been about five years since you've been coming downtown with me How has downtown changed just in five years?
2: I mean, the homelessness downtown, that's the main thing that I noticed coming down here. Again, just looking out the window, you can visibly see it. It's very much a problem. Just the other day when I was coming to work with you because I do an internship with you, uh, I was walking into the building and there was some guy being arrested, a homeless guy being arrested because he was, to quote you, treating his
0: body like an amusement Ah! park. (laughs) Two police officers had to arrive and move this guy on. And before the show, we walked over to Qdoba just to get a little bit of bite to eat before the show. What did we see in that literal 200-yard walk to Qdoba? Yeah, 200 yards. We've seen
2: three bums, just absolutely gross. Uh, dude with a megaphone yelling loud Jesus stuff that you typically see down here. It was it was an experience, to say the least.
0: And if you're somebody that is coming downtown for a business trip or somebody that even has a little vacation in Indianapolis. What are you supposed to think when you check into your hotel which is not cheap on Monument Circle, one of these hotels around here and you see bum after bum and you see the Jesus people and you know if you've done any sort of research, about a month ago there were three people that were shot in front of the uh, hotel near the bar district. The Dutch Commandos I mean, this is a major problem. Now, Ryan Mears, your current Marion County prosecutor, again was appointed to that position, was not elected. Here he is talking about the no confidence vote that the FOP put on.
3: Well, for me, there there, there are two big differences here. There's the IMPD, and then there's the FOP. Uh, as it relates to the IMPD, you know, we work with the police department every single day. Uh, we're going to file uh, probably 30,000 cases this year, and every single one of those starts with a probable cause affidavit submitted by the, uh, a law enforcement agency here in our county. And so we're able to work with law enforcement, and I think one of the things that you see is uh, we're able to work with them pretty successfully. And you can see that in our conviction rate numbers. Uh, just today I mentioned the two convictions that we had at jury trial today. The first witness we called in both of those casem- cases was a law enforcement officer. Uh, And we were able to secure those convictions. And so we're always able to work uh, with our law enforcement partners. Uh, But the other part of it is I'm going to be independent of the police department. Uh, And the community wants an independent prosecutor, which I'm going to be. The FOP represents people who are accused of crimes by the prosecutor's office. Uh, And so there's going to be uh, some tension inevitably when we're the ones who have to make decisions as to whether or not a police officer should be charged.
0: It cracks me up when he talks about his rate. Look at our success rate of prosecution. Look at how few cases you actually prosecute. Look at the backlog. And when I heard him talking about how he's got a great relationship with the police department, I texted a couple of my friends and family members that are police officers around Indianapolis, and all of their responses were, tell him to name who they are. I got blank amount of money that says he's speaking out of his backside. So that was the reaction to local law enforcement. On the other side, here's Cindy Carrasco.
1: I am incredibly uh, proud of the fact that that I have been endorsed for the first time ever uh, by the Fraternal Order of Police. And that is... Thank you. I am incredibly proud of that. But not only have I been... Um, endorsed by the Fraternal Order of Police, but I have been endorsed by the Indian Estate Police Alliance, and I have been endorsed by the um, Retired uh, Police Officers Association. I am incredibly proud of being endorsed by these folks because law enforcement are the heroes that go into the danger every day, 24-7, to keep my family, to keep your family, and all of our families safe. And it's important for me that these folks who are putting their lives on the line literally every day have a partner.
0: So that was just a little bit of what took place last night, the North Shadeland Alliance Prosecutor Forum.
4: You set them up and I'll knock
5: them back, Lloyd. one by one. We are gonna read booze because it's really fun.
6: Once it hits your lips, it's so good.
7: Now present booze news, booze news.
8: Time for booze news.
7: So
0: Assembly Hall. Home of your Indiana Hoosiers has announced they're going to be selling beer this upcoming basketball season. Now, Assembly Hall was already pretty rowdy. One of the most rocking arenas in the Big Ten. Mackey Arena, too. When Mackey gets rocking, it's a difference maker. Same thing with Assembly Hall. But now we're adding sweet, delicious alcohol to the mix. So, Chris, I've already cracked open a cold one here in studio because I know I've got a designated driver tonight. Um, Are you good with IU Bloomington Assembly Hall selling libations? Look, in
2: 49 other states, it's just basketball. (laughs) Right? But you can't tell me that thousands of Hoosiers fans... Packing Assembly Hall won't be a huge success for IU Bloomington.
0: Yeah, they're going to be uh, ready to buy some beverages. And the minute that Purdue comes in or the minute that Ohio State or Michigan or those dirtbags from Illinois come in there, the crowd might have a little lift. Now, where I think this is really going to be a difference maker, if you even want to call it that, are those kind of non-conference games at the beginning of the year. Because IU crowds are already rocking for the Big Ten. Uh, Even when Wisconsin goes in there and beats them every year, it's a rocking crowd. But it's some of the non-conference games where you're thinking, all right, do I really want to go see Austin P?" Or back in the day, if you're an old school IU fan, you'll remember this, Athletes in Action, when they came into Bloomington, (laughs) it's like, now maybe I'll give my tickets away to somebody. But now you can get to your buddies and go, "Eh, let's go have a few beers, watch the game, have some fun, and we'll Uber out of here. I'm fine with this. I'm fine with this. Now, I'm a little curious to see how wound up that crowd gets when the boilers roll in. Is it going to be even more rowdy than normal? We'll find out. But, uh, yeah, I'm totally good with this. Chris, let's get to know you just a little bit because there's a lot of people hearing you for the first time. You're 18 years old. You're a high school senior at Beach Grove High School. You're the class president. Have you had any sort of issues as the class president yet
2: yeah i mean i expected to have issues we all got to expect to have issues in any work place that we go to but as class president it's some of my job to organize you know themes for the upcoming week if we have like a home football game one thing that happened was i had i had some people try to tell me that doing a hawaiian shirt day was culture appropriation it was trying to tell me that was racist somehow
0: So culturally inappropriate to have Hawaiian Shirt Day as a theme for a football game. Now, what was your response when you received said complaint? I told
2: them Hawaii is a state in the United States of America. (laughs) How is this
0: culture appropriation if it's your own country's culture? I love it when you kill these people with logic. I absolutely love it. There was another example of this where there was like a French theme for mm-hmm. something you guys were doing. Yeah, our homecoming parade. Homecoming parade, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a French theme. A night in Paris was the theme. And what was the complaint that was brought to your desk? Uh, on our float, we had uh,
2: someone dress up as the painting of the Mona Lisa because it's hanging up in the Louvre Museum in Paris, France. Uh, People were trying to tell me that that was Italian because the painter was Italian, to which my response was, look up where the painting is hanging up. It's in Paris, France. Most people associate this with Paris, France. Right. And
0: it's a painting. Right. We don't know where Mona Lisa was born at, do we? (laughs) Because it's a painting. Right. And it's hanging up in the most famous museum in the world, which happens to be in Paris, France. I love it when you kill these people with logic. It's so good. Like, that's my proud dad moment. Like, the single (laughs) tear runs down my eye when I hear that you've had to tell off some ridiculous person with an argument with facts and logic. Keep (laughs) it rolling, kid. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. Talk to me. Hey, what are you doing? Hammer and Nigel on 93 WIBC. We are rolling on the All Hammer show today. It's Hammer and Hammer. Uh, Nigel's out sick. So Chris Hammer... My oldest is with me today, and let's go to the driveviewboard.com hotline and bring on Tony Kennett of Chalkboard Review. Tony was a longtime STEM educator uh, with the IPS school system here in Marion County.
5: Tony, how are you? Absolutely fantastic, Hammers.
0: Now, when we were uh, off the air making sure our connection was good, you told us that you got a little bit of some breaking news from a specific school system here in Indiana.
5: Yeah, so uh, in Pendleton, Indiana, actually, according to Clay Robinson, one of our fellows at Chalkboard Review, uh, this education nonprofit called Intersect, which I guess was founded in the eastern central Indiana community to advocate against smoking, is sponsoring an all-ages drag show and story hour on October the 1st. Uh, That's a Saturday. And it is getting some serious uh, concerns from parents because of some of the stuff that is being advertised. And uh, the guy they have brought to uh, be the storyteller is a serious creep. Uh,
0: Now, it feels like drag queens and all that kind of stuff in school now this is the new crt right crt was so yesterday that's so 2000 and late now it's all about drag queens and indoctrinating your children that way
5: yeah it seems like the latest oppressed group are all of these individuals who aren't able to be as sexual as they want at all times of the day and night we have to talk to kids that are in elementary school about their genitals and how to use them effectively which is beyond disturbing. And if you would have told someone five years ago that this would be the battle we are having in the public space, they wouldn't believe you. They would have laughed you out of the public square.
2: Uh, Hey, Tony, it's Chris. Uh, In my high school career, I've been asked about my white privilege before. How should students handle
5: a situation like that? Well, the first thing that I tell any student or teacher that's dealing with a situation like that is to not get crazy. Let the other individual act crazy. Let them say all of the weird nonsense that they choose to say and respond respectfully yet firmly. You don't have to agree with them. Don't ever let them convince you to apologize. You have nothing to apologize. You were born with what you've got skin color wise, genital wise. That's nothing to apologize for. White male privilege, you know, notwithstanding. And in that case, I would recommend the first thing you should do is talk to your parents. Uh, You should also talk to another teacher if you have some kind of a concern or a principal or counselor, if that you think is your best option. But as always, I say, you need to talk it out with your parents. Just let them know what's going on. Don't embellish a story to make it sound more exciting. Uh, There's nothing worse than having to play telephone and fight through that to get through the truth. So just let your parents know exactly what's going on, and then they can take it from there.
0: And Tony, I'm just spitballing here. For just a hypothetical, let's say that Chris has a dad, and he finds out that that happens, and he goes to the school and tells said teacher to kiss his backside. Is that wrong? I'm not saying that that's happened before, but is that the wrong approach?
5: So it depends. I would need to see the whole situation. The more that I care about what's going on, the more that I I see, yeah, if the teacher is, you know, very adamant and saying, well, your son needs to address his white privilege because he's stepping on this, that and the other and a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, that's a kissing the backside moment. However, if it turns out the teacher is willing to chat about it, there's a good bit of ground to be made. And at the end of this, you may find yourself talking to a principal or administrator about the teacher's future role with your son or – Uh, Talk about possibly electing a better school board.
0: And listen, we're joking around here. We're having a good time. But I think this is a really important conversation because I bet there's a lot of parents out there that are furious when their children come home and they say, yeah, I was asked about this and I have to write a paper about this. And it's a total political hit job but at the same time they don't one want to get on the teacher's bad side and have their grades affected and two they're not really sure how to address that type of thing
5: yeah it is one of those things it's a difficult situation that's why i try to encourage people to take it situation by situation there really isn't and although i get asked about this quite a lot there is not a blanket sweep solution for any situation you can come across. There's a series of exceptions and things you have to consider. Not every single course of action is right for every group of parents or teachers. Sometimes I might advise to, if you can, get your kids out of the school. Sometimes it's work with the teacher. Sometimes it's fight to get a better school board elected. It really depends on the situation because if you just run out and do really rash things, you can make the situation worse for all who are involved.
0: Tony, can it- is our guest. Uh, He is the man behind Chalkboard Review, fantastic site that you can find out what's really happening with our schools around the country. Uh, Tony, we're less than seven weeks away from the midterm elections. Um, Of course, crime is a hot topic here in Indy, but education, education is always going to be something in local elections that people focus on. Uh, What has your attention as we get closer and closer to the midterms?
5: Uh, I always say that it's not who wins an election. It's who loses an election. And something that always astounds me with local politics is who's willing to say the most blisteringly stupid things right (laughs) before people head to the polls. I don't know what it is. Sitting here talking with you two, you know, both Chris and Jason, I would think that we might have a measure of common sense if you're running for office that you make sure you don't say anything really stupid right before the election. Seems kind of common. I don't know about you guys. Would you maybe kind of keep an eye on your tongue if you were running for office? Why should I start now? I think I speak on behalf of everybody in the
0: city of Indianapolis when they say I've already done that. (laughs) I have eliminated myself from public office probably in high school with the things that I've done, Tony. So I feel like I've got the green light just to do whatever. But Chris, on the other hand, (laughs) an actual elected official, he's the class president, El Presidente. He probably has different Rolls. <laughs>
5: <laughs> that's really funny i was uh, actually that uh you you saying whatever needs to be said was a conversation i was having with someone just yesterday <laughs> but unfortunately not too many get the message and uh the big huge education races that we're seeing in indiana are in the northern wedge of indianapolis school districts so you're kind of northern windshield shape all the way from zionsville over to geist and that whole mess of districts in between, that's where the school board races have really begun to heat up. And one thing that I saw rather interesting is that the uh, one of the school board members from Hamilton Southeastern, in which actually uh, there is, are two uh, different groups, a very progressive group and a conservative group vying for a lot of school board seats in the next election, one of the sitting progressive school board members got on Twitter the other day and said, oh, well, I'm, I'm really glad to see a, a big thread dispelling any myth that COVID lockdowns had long-term effects on children. It, actually, COVID lockdowns were good for kids. There were no long-term effects. Wow. And it's really good to hear this. And, and man, she got lit up in the replies. It was insane. She tried to back her way out of it. And the first thought running through my mind was she just made it so much harder for the progressives running for seats in that district because of the number of suicides that we have seen that have been tied to the depression and anxiety that came out of COVID lockdowns where kids were shut in their homes for a long period of time and cut off from anything but uh, a phone or computer screen uh, for dozens of hours in the week. And uh, to kind of treat that situation with such a blase manner to score a few political points is really going to, I think, uh, bring the importance of school board elections to local parents.
2: Uh, Tony, I'm curious. Do you ever hear from actual students, not parents, but students actually in school, about the things that you say?
5: Absolutely. Actually, I would say maybe a third of all messages that we receive at Chalkboard Review are from students that are, we guess, uh, middle school up through high school. The only reason I say I guess is because we don't believe it's our business in a lot of situations to know a lot about kids, and we it, that's between a you know student and their parent oftentimes. That's usually who we direct them to. But we do get a lot of tips from students about what's going on in classrooms. Uh, during the whole HSE scandal regarding the defund the police poster, uh, we were reached out to by several different students in the district that uh, shared classes with the Uh, Chanova's brother as well as that whole situation so we encourage students to reach out to us if you like um, we're probably not going to have a very long conversation with you because, you know, you're minors and it's uh, not our place to have long conversations on uh, private messages with minors. That's that's just me.
0: Chris, you're 18. You can bash whoever you want. You can do whatever. <laughs> you're you're free to go, kid. Knock yourself out. Uh gave you the green
5: light. Oh, man, I tell <laughs> you what.
0: <laughs> uh, Tony, last thing before we let you go. And again, I hate wrapping up the conversation this way, but this story from North Dakota just, it bothers me a great deal. Tony, take us through this story.
5: First of all, it's it's horrible that there would be an individual who was so upset by a young man uh, saying he was Republican at some kind of a street party. I guess is the the situation we're learning more about it. That he would get in his vehicle, he would start to pursue the 17-year-old. The 17-year-old would call his mom and say, "Hey, I'm being pursued. There's this guy. He's after me because uh, we got into an argument about politics. That I was a Republican. He called me a far-right extremist." And then he ran over the 17 year old i mean of all of the ways to to actually engage in the act of murder to physically run your vehicle over see the person terrified of you running away from you run them over it's horrible it's a political hate crime because the guy admitted to it Uh, he didn't leave any room for doubt and i remember that whenever there's someone on the other side of the aisle that gets hurt in a senseless act of violence The first thing the media does is they always run to all of the Republicans that the person who had committed the act of violence had ever spoken about or had ever listened to. And they say, well, it's because of this Republican violent rhetoric that's the reason why this individual killed this person on the left. And yet I don't see any of the media doing that now. Here's a clear act of a guy saying, I killed this 17-year-old because he was a Republican. I killed him because I thought he was a far-right extremist. And not a month ago, you have the president of the United States saying that MAGA Republicans, that Republicans who supported and endorsed Donald Trump, are the greatest threat to American democracy, the greatest threat. Call them terrorists. I mean, parents have been called domestic terrorists by the federal government. And so these acts of political violence, as I've said a couple years ago, and I do not relish being right.
0: Tony Kennett is one of the smartest guys I know. He can talk about anything, but his wheelhouse is the education system. One more time, tell us about Chalkboard Review.
5: Absolutely, and uh, please stop lying. I'll make sure the check is in the mail. (laughs) Uh, That all said, Chalkboard Review is an education publication that we built to provide a perspective regardless of political affiliation. We accept uh, opinion editorials from teachers on the left, right, and center. We have yet to reject a piece because of politics. And we also report on education stories around the country that are often ignored by those who don't like the way that the story makes a certain political group look, left or right. You can find us at chalkboardreview.com, or you can find us across all of the socials at ChalkboardRev
0: tony kennett on twitter at the tonus tony thank you thanks for having me on guys it's the hammer and nigel show all right chris hammer the last time i asked you to deliver a proper weather report (laughs) you went down in flames you screwed it up you brought embarrassment to yourself to your family i hope you're still humiliated by it but i'm going to give you a chance to make good i want perfection here let's go 94 at the
2: American Standard Cooling Weather Center. Yeah!
0: (laughs) There we go! You know what this is? This is like Peyton Manning's second year. Like that first year where he led the league in interceptions. Nobody wants to remember that. (laughs) Your first weather report, crap. Nobody wants to remember that. It's the Hall of Fame-worthy stuff that happened afterwards. That's what I'm talking about, young man. That's how you do a weather report. That's how you nail the sponsor. That's what I'm excited about. Uh, Yesterday, Kyle, TKW, Megamondo, you noticed something a little squirrely. Out here on Monument Circle. Yeah, so, you know,
9: after the Hammer and Nigel show, I like to stand up, stretch, and just take a little glance Because you're here until like 10 o'clock. Yeah, I'm here way later after you guys leave.
0: So I like to look at Monument Circle. It's a beautiful view. That's why I always have the window open. People on the live YouTube stream always complain that I look like I'm in the witness protection program, <laughs> but the shadow with the light doesn't work from where I stand. I am not Jason Haribo. <laughs> but I absolutely want this view. I'm not going to not have the, uh, the
9: blinds open. So I saw something that I've only seen two times in my entire career here on 40 Monument Circle MS Communications. I saw a dude physically on the monument. You mean like walk up the stairs? No, 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 no. He was on the monument. (laughs) He climbed. He climbed up on the monument, and there's a platform in between these two statues... And he was standing
0: like he was a third statue. <laughs> and we posted your video on Hammer and Nigel Facebook and Twitter yesterday. There was a dude that had climbed up on the monument and... And you did an impression of John Madden breaking down what would happen, complete with, like, the telestrator, and the it was so good. Yeah, because you, uh, Nigel, and I,
9: we always do, you know, our impressions, and I was doing one of Biden, but sometimes my Biden slips into John Madden. Well, the timing was incredible. Because I had just looked back, and I said, well, speaking of Madden, and yeah, I did the Telestrator on Snapchat. I had the yellow uh, cursor, and here's a guy, It's on the, he's physically on the Monument Circle. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Tough to actin' to actin'. So, you know, I, I posted that, and that video
0: has, like, almost 2,000 plays. We've got it posted on the Hammer and Nigel Facebook and Twitter. Somebody on the Facebook page was ripping you. I don't understand why I wasn't the one that was on Monument Circle. And again, I don't have it right in front of me right now, but it was I love that monument. It means so much to me. I can't believe you're making fun of it. No,
9: I wasn't making fun of it. I was making fun of the dude that was on right. the monument. And, and the, se- the first time that I saw somebody was night one of the riots, that Friday night. I literally saw some dude. So there's this, uh, f- what direction is this? West? pointing west, I saw some guy sitting on this lady's head, and that's, like, <laughs> way up there on the monument. Was that before
0: things turned mostly peaceful that yeah, night, Kyle? Yeah, that was before the peaceful protests. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. We are rolling on a Wednesday it is the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. He is getting a Brazilian wax. And that means that <laughs> the boy wonder. 18-year-old, Beach Grove High School class president, baseball player, and my son Chris Hammer joins us in studio. We got a lot of stuff going on here. We've got the New York Attorney General suing Donald Trump and his family for falsifying some information about their assets. We've got the feds jacking up the interest rates once again. We'll get to some more national stuff here in just a moment. But I want to take this time to drill down locally, hear what's happening in Central Indy. Last night, there was the Marion County Prosecutors Forum. Now, this wasn't a date Uh, Debate. It was kind of like a town hall, and it was put on by the uh, North Shadeland Alliance. You had the incumbent, Ryan Mears. You had the Republican challenger, Cindy Carrasco. And we challenged you, the Hammer and Nigel Show listeners. You know, we couldn't make it yesterday. We were on the air. But if you go to this thing, let us know. Send us some updates. Send us some messages. And listener Tim... Tim Kweiser, he was there last night. Tim, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. How are you?
4: Hey, glad to be on with you.
0: So take me through what happened last night, Tim. Uh, Let's start with the the atmosphere. How was the crowd? Was this a good turnout for this event last night?
4: Well, I tell you what, I walked in with a very open mind. Didn't know much about either one of them except for what you read. And uh, the crowd uh, was a pretty good crowd last night, I thought. But when I after the each game opening speeches or little statements or whatever, and I was very surprised about how partisan it was, very split. And I guess I shouldn't have been surprised by that. But I was kind of thinking everybody was going there for more information, for listening to everybody. But it was very, very partisan. So I was kind of surprised at that.
0: So you went in with an open mind, you know, not hitching your wagon to any specific candidate. Did you hear some things last night that would make you lean one
4: way or the other? By the end of the night, yes, I did. Okay, and um, I, I ended up listening. I ended up listening to Mears uh, talk about his thing, but um, he talked about his program. He blamed some things on the judges. Blame Governor Holcomb for appointing these judges. Um, He talked about some programs they had to try to keep people out of the criminal justice system. Um, He did mention about abortion, that he wasn't going to go after women doctors or nurses. And it was kind of interesting that she came back, then he came back and said nurses, or I'm sorry, mothers were never even in this law at all. It's only doctors and nurses and she wasn't going out to be hunting for them to find out where they are. I thought that was a very big distinction there.
0: So one of the things that um I was being told last night, and again, we had multiple Hammer and Nigel show listeners, correspondents sending us information. It's something you just touched on, Tim. I heard that Ryan Mears was blaming a lot of the failures on Marion County on the judges and ultimately uh, the governor, Eric Holcomb.
4: Yeah, he did. He did say that. And I kind of thought, well, that's kind of, uh, you know, kind of shifting it around for yourself. And uh, but I, I was kind of disappointed in some of the things he did say. And he even brought up about, you know, water fountains and Jim Crow laws and stuff that happened, you know, 70 years ago. And I thought, where is that coming from?
0: Now, how did uh, Cindy Carrasco come off? Because Ryan Mears, he was not elected, but he's been appointed. He is a seasoned politician. Um, how did Cindy Carrasco come off?
4: I thought she came off very, very well. I thought she was to the point. She didn't get pulled into his uh, kind of statement that he made to try to grab her, to bring her in, to fight these things. And I thought she had a very pointed idea of what she was going to do to uh, rearrange the prosecutor's office, focus on major crime, which let me say something about major crime. I just heard Mayor Hogstead speak about four days ago, and he denied that the downtown was – he was saying downtown was safe. And it sounded like the same line that Mir said last night. Our downtown is safe. And I thought, well, wow, they must be reading the same script someplace.
0: <laughs> All right, Tim. Hey, man, I appreciate you taking the time not only to go last night, uh, but to report back to us and give us an honest assessment. Thank you so much. We appreciate that.
4: Okay, you're welcome.
0: Uh, other news of local note here, and again, this is. You knew it was coming, but it's still never easy. Uh, the Richmond Police Department sharing the information on the funeral details for Officer Sierra Burton, the K-9 officer who lost her life in the line of duty. Uh, police say the viewing is going to be held September 25th, two to seven, at the Richmond City Building. That's going to be located at 50 North Fifth Street, and the funeral will be held the next day, September 26th, 11 a.m. at the Tiernan Center at Richmond High School, 380 Hub Etchison Parkway. Now, following the official funeral up at Richmond High School, high school the procession will lead to crown hill cemetery here in indy where officer burton will be laid to rest in the heroes of public safety section uh, the public is invited to attend the services show their respects to honor a uh, fallen officer Sierra burton they will post the route of procession once they get that done in the coming days all right turning our attention nationally here white house press secretary Corrine Jean Pierre, <laughs> Chris Hammer. If you're going to sit in the studio, I want you to do your best French laugh. All right, <laughs> give it to me. Corrine Jean Pierre, ha <laughs> ha ha. At a baby, uh, she says that Joe Biden. Uh, didn't really mean that the COVID pandemic was over, despite the fact that he totally
4: said the COVID pandemic is over. <laughs> also in the 60 Minutes interview said that the pandemic is over. There's been quite a bit of pushback to that uh, statement by the president. W- where is he today on that? So uh, just to step back for a second,
8: what we saw during that interview, 60-minute uh, interview, when he made those comments, he was walking through uh, the, the Detroit uh, car show, the halls of the Detroit car show and he was looking around we have to remember the last time that they had (laughs) held that event was three years ago
0: you can't take him at his word he's walking through a car show because clearly the old man can't walk look at cars and think at the same time this is the president of the united states now listen i'm not mad that he said the pandemic's over Uh, Welcome to the party, Bal, as somebody once said. Uh, But now it's time for the administration to act like the pandemic is over. Stop firing teachers. Stop making people mask up if they don't want to. Chris, in your high school, do you feel like people have moved on past the pandemic?
2: Yes, our school has moved on past the pandemic really ever since February of this year. That's when... Our mask mandate was lifted. And once it was lifted, our student population, they didn't look back. I've maybe seen on average, maybe one, maybe two people a day that still wear the mask, but it's pretty much been a full, complete move on
0: from the COVID-19. And listen, we've had this conversation at home. If you are somebody that wants to wear a mask, wear a mask. Right. Wear two, wear three. I don't care if you want to put a shield on, put a mask over your anus. I do not care. (laughs) But this country has to move on past the pandemic. And we're not mad that Biden said it, but boy, there are a lot of Democrats that are because they then lose the ability to control what you do. And that was a big part of how they got power the first time around. Uh, On the other side of the political spectrum, Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, he uh, was asked by a reporter about those comments of him and Governor Abbott of Texas being human traffickers because they sent the migrants to Democrat hotspots, Martha's Vineyard, uh, Kamala's Naval Residence down in D.C., and a number of other places where Democrats usually dwell. Here is the governor of Florida.
10: When Biden is flying these people all over the fruited plain in the middle of the night, I didn't hear a peep out of those people, okay? I didn't hear a peep. a peep about all the people that have been told by Biden you can just come in and they're going, they're being abused by the cartels, they're drowning in the Rio Grande. You had 50 that died in some shed in Texas. I heard no outrage about any of that. I haven't heard outrage about all the fentanyl that's come across the border that's killing Americans in record numbers. I don't hear... I don't hear outrage about the criminal aliens that have gotten through and have then victimized people, not only in Florida, but all throughout the country. I don't hear any outrage about that. The only thing I hear them getting upset about is you have 50 that end up in Martha's Vineyard. Then they get really upset. Chris, in the last two years,
0: um, in any sort of class you've been in, whether it's a social type of class or a history type of class, have you talked about what's happening at the border?
2: No, not once. Not once. The only time it's ever been brought up, it was in a, a current problems and issues class, and that's only because it was the current problem at the time. But other than that, no. Well, that's the class where it makes sense to be right, brought up right, in. Right. Um, what was the discussion like? Do you remember? It was just kind of an objective discussion on it, like what's going on here? Um, why is this happening?
0: It was a lot of just reading the news. That's kind of like what that class was. And knowing you the way that I do Was it hard for you to bite your tongue a lot when they talk about why this is happening? Do you have to just sit there and kind of bite your tongue and grit your teeth just a little bit? A little bit, because I know you're wanting to explode on. Yeah. How about all of the executive orders that President Joe Biden rescinded his first 100 days in office, even though he inherited a good border and now it's a hellhole? I know that's exactly (laughs) what you would have said. Here's a little bit more from uh, Ron DeSantis.
10: Those migrants were being treated horribly by Biden. They were hungry, homeless. They had no no opportunity at all. State of Florida, it was volunteer, offered transport to sanctuary jurisdictions because it's our view that, one, the border should be secured. And we want to have Biden reinstitute policies like remain in Mexico and making sure that people aren't overwhelming. But short of that, if you believe in open borders, then it's the sanctuary jurisdictions that should have to bear the brunt of the open borders so that's what we're doing but what happened was they were they were provided um an ability to be in the the most posh Sanctuary jurisdiction, maybe in the world, and obviously it's sad that Martha's Vineyard people deported them the next day. They could have absorbed this; they <laughs> chose not to. But what it shows is, if 50 was a burden on one of the richest places in our country, what about all these other communities that have been overrun with hundreds or thousands?
0: Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And Nigel presents. Is... The
4: it depends upon what the meaning of the word is.
3: Yeah. Is this anything? Nice?
0: All right. Chris Hammer filling in for Big Nige. This is how we're going to do Is This Anything today. Here in just a moment, I'm going to run a story by you. You will look at all the information. You'll break it all down. You'll weigh out the pros. You'll weigh out the cons. Then you will do what a class president has been elected to do. You will give us a verdict. You will give us a decision on whether or not this story is anything or not. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Is this anything? Nothing says rap better than a guy in gray hair, and that's a Senate candidate from the state of Utah. (laughs) Oh, man. It's actually uh, Linda Paulson. Uh, It's a lady. And her rapping campaign ad has gone viral. Take a listen.
8: Hey, Utah District 12, listen up right here. There's a new name on the ballot for the Senate this year. My name is Linda Paulson Republican and awesome love God and family and the constitution. I tried to get another conservative to run. Nobody could do it, so I'm getting it done. Wow. Pro-religious freedom, pro-life, pro-police. The right to bear arms and the right to free speech. I want less government. Control and regulation want to stop and expose all political corruption. Where is integrity? Make
10: it stop! Morality, <laughs>
8: accountability, government programs. She's still Efficiency and support traditional family God. as the fundamental unit. Cut of a little society. Brian Kelly in there. But family. They are pushing for <laughs> new beliefs and just to clarify, Kyle, stop this right now! I can't
0: take a- this anymore. Ah. Chris Hammer. Is this anything? No, this is nothing.
2: Sit down. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I know you're you're trying to appeal to the younger generation, and I don't know what these people think. Like when they try to rap to us, because we're not looking at you like you're cool when you're doing this. This is you're gonna get laughed at more than people are gonna notice your message here.
0: Now it's- you're 18 years old. You are a registered voter. You'll be voting for the first time in the upcoming midterms. If you were on the fence about a candidate and you saw that. Ad, does that make you say I'm in, or maybe I'll leave that race blank? I might leave that race blank. Got it. Got it. <laughs> like All right. What
8: I stand for the <laughs> code on the 8th of November. Just-
0: okay. Ah! Is this anything? A Cleveland auto mechanic who always dreamed of becoming a doctor has officially become a physician at the age of 51. Here is Dr. Carl Almby talking about pursuing his dream of becoming a doctor
11: yeah we're giving free oil changes for everybody who makes it out of the hospital uh, today i was ready for a change you know i wanted something a little bit different for myself just wasn't a real opportunity in the neighborhood where i grew up and the financial constraints that we had in my own family i've been working on things my whole life it's just people now instead of cars
2: that anything Yeah, this is something. Uh, It shows you that you're really never too old to stop learning and to stop chasing your dreams, for that matter. That's what this
0: country is all about, people trying to chase their dreams. Yeah, I think this is something here. All right, so let me flip the script here. Let's say you're laying on the operating table, and the guy coming in to remove your vital organs or to fix something wrong with the heart valve was changing oil two weeks ago. Do you feel good? I mean, if he passed the classes and they trust
2: I mean— All right. That's fine. I won't say that I know more than him, but I'm just saying he he
0: passed the class. Okay. Is this anything? Last night in New York, Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees hit his 60th home run in the seventh inning against the Pirates.
11: Drill Pete to left field. There it goes. Number 60, Aaron James Judge has tied George Herman Babe Ruth
9: home runs when you talk about Ruth and Maris and Mantle and all these Yankees greats that did so many great things in this game you know you know, you never imagine as a kid getting mentioned with them but it's an incredible honor you know something I don't take lightly at all we're not done we still got a couple games left in the this season and hopefully a couple more wins come with them
2: that anything yeah this is something right here um Ruth's at 60, or Ruth, Judge is at 60 home runs here, tied Babe Ruth's record. He's only one away from tying the AL record with Roger Maris. He very well could do that tonight because I believe they're playing the Pirates tonight. Uh, I was looking at the Yankees' schedule. One thing that caught my eye is they start a series with the Red Sox after tonight. So the
0: stars are aligned for Judge to break this record against their hated rivals, Boston Red Sox. I like the way you think, kid. It's the Hammer and Nigel show.
6: You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show.
8: Tommy Laren is no stranger to controversy.
6: I have a question for the self righteous Hollywood liberal.
8: Fox News contributor Tommy Laren. Tommy Laren. Tommy Laren. Tommy Laren. Joining us right now, Tommy Laren. Tommy Laren. Eww!
6: Please welcome Tommy Lahren. It's this country, the country that you have so much disdain for, that allows you the right to speak your mind. It protects your right to be a whiny, indulgent, attention seeking crybaby
0: oh man the amount of badassery we are about to have here i'm jason hammer big nige is out in his place senior class president 18 year old registered voter baseball player christopher hammer and let's go to the drive hubler.com hotline and bring on the biggest badass of them all tommy laren tommy how are you
6: Oh, hey, I'm doing well. I'm just happy I'm no longer in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'll tell you that one. (laughs) All
0: right. So we got a number of places we can get to, but let's start with that. I'm looking through my timeline last week and I wake up and I see you were scheduled to speak in New Mexico. Next thing you know, a bunch of these uh, protesters, whatever you want to call them, decide to make a little bit of a ruckus. Take us through what happened.
6: Uh, yeah a ruckus that's a that's putting it pretty mildly I mean try, trying to smash their way into a room you know these outraged green hairs uh, they didn't want me to be there and of course <laughs> if you don't if you have somebody on your campus that's speaking at a voluntary event the best thing that you should do to express yourself is, is try to bust your way in and then force your speaker to barricade in a kitchen those are just the cliff notes of the whole thing but I'll tell you this we have empowered and emboldened the misfits of society, you think they can go buck wild and I experience it about every campus I go to, but this may be one of the worst uh, to put that mildly.
0: So you bring it up. It feels like these folks are entitled. It feels like they know they can get away with it because during the summer of love, when things turned, quote, mostly peaceful, a lot of these losers got away with it. So they figure every single time if they don't like who the speaker is or if they don't like what a judge rules or what happens, they feel like they can do this crap
6: oh they do and it's because they do get away with it and and what i found is that anytime they call somebody a name like a racist a white supremacist a nazi once they label you that they feel that they can do anything to you because in their mind they have every right to do it they sit on this moral high ground they've created for themselves and that their universities have fostered for them so they think they can do whatever they want and we see it on college campuses time and time and time again. And I also I think it's interesting because I want to correct the narrative on your show. This is the first time I've done this. All these higher education journals and stuff are coming out talking about the event and they're saying, you know, it's pretty bad that they wanted to rip Tommy Lahren limb from limb and attack the other students. But reportedly, Turning Point USA at UNM, they were keeping out students of color who had tickets. Let me correct the narrative. Those people that had tickets that were also screaming expletives and trying to bombard themselves into that room, yeah, maybe they were told not a good place for you to enter. had nothing to do with their skin color. had everything to do with their behavior and the fact that they wanted to physically attack people. That was what happened.
0: I read that your dad was with you at this speaking event. And one, if that's true, what's it like to be Tommy Laring's dad? Because (laughs) I've got my kid in the studio today and I can't imagine seeing an angry mob wanting to beat the hell out of him.
6: You know, I looked at my dad as we were barricaded behind plates in the kitchen, and I told him, hey, listen, Dad, I I bet you never thought when I was born 30 years ago that you'd be uh, barricaded in a kitchen, and I bet you never thought that me coming to a college campus would call the state police in uh, because of it. But my parents are pretty used to this. Uh, Unfortunately, they're not shocked and stunned either, and they've been with me. at Events where, unfortunately, chaos ensues. So I would like to say that, oh, it was so shocking, and my dad had no idea this would happen. But unfortunately, this has kind of become the standard.
0: We're chatting with Tommy Lahren of uh, Fox News and OutKick does a great show on OutKick. Um, I'll jump on OutKick every once in a while with our pal Dan Dockage. Tommy does a great show there. Uh, Let's switch gears just a little bit to Joe Biden. That disastrous 60 Minutes interview. If this were Donald Trump, Tommy, this would be the top story on every single news network. This disastrous interview where the moment the old fella says something, he's got a handler (laughs) there to walk it back. What were your thoughts?
6: Yeah, well, at this point, I think we're pretty used to that. Uh, And and I'm just happy, though, that he declared Two years later that the pandemic is over right. so I'm happy to hear that but and again and all the stuff everything that comes out of his mouth is either a gaffe or a lie or something that's in the prompter for him like for example end quote is one of his favorite <laughs> lines to use <laughs> so of course it's disastrous but they are actually starting to press him a little bit more and you know I use that term lightly because he still gets a giant pass from the media at large but they are going on again, going in on him a little bit harder and I think the reason is 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 they're already eyeing our good friend Gavin Newsom in California, and they're ready to throw Joe Biden under that bus just any moment now.
2: Hey, Tommy, it's Chris. Uh, You just brought up Gavin Newsom. Uh, We hear he's ready to run for president if Biden doesn't want to. Uh, Now, you've lived in California before. Is Newsom presidential material?
6: You know, I think that Gavin looks at himself every night in the mirror, and he certainly thinks he is presidential material. But one look at Californian, it's pretty obvious. He's been going after Ron DeSantis lately, which I think is so laughable, because all you have to do is look at the numbers. Californians are fleeing to Florida. Floridians are not fleeing to California. There in it lies itself the answer to, to all of the questions that Gavin Newsom would have. And also Florida not experiencing rolling blackouts when people have to turn their thermostat down below seventy four. So again another example, uh, Gavin Newsom is certainly more eloquent than Joe Biden, but so is my Chihuahua. Uh, at this point though, I think that he's ready to run and he's ready for his big moment in the sun. Well
0: how is this going to play out on On the woke playbook of the democrats here because you know kamala harris wants to run but yet this greasy white male is going to try to steal her thunder i'm waiting for the liberals to get fired up here tommy what's going to happen here
6: I don't think Kamala wants to run. I really don't. I think she wants to run away at this point. Um, We just saw, again, another word salad moment where she told us about community banks being important because they're in the community. So uh, I don't think Kamala wants to run. I really don't. I think Kamala wants to get a cushy job somewhere as a lobbyist or being given a title that she hasn't earned, which has been really the bedrock of her career thus far. But no, I think they're making way for Gavin Newsom. I don't think anyone's going to stand in his way. And uh, that's, I I think what we're going to see come 2024 or, you know, perhaps even sooner.
0: Tommy Laren joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel show. These numbers that came out from the border the other day, this should frighten people. The amount of fentanyl coming across, the amount of cocaine and the amount of people on the terror watch list being apprehended at the border on a monthly basis. Tommy, I know you cover the border a lot. What were your thoughts when you saw that report come out?
6: I'm not surprised. What I really want to know is how many people have come through that they haven't counted. I think that's the number that all Americans should want to know and will never be made aware of, by the way. But I think we also saw last week what happens when liberals have to be near the illegal immigrants that they pretend to love so much. Uh, They might enrich their lives for two days, but then they send them to a military base in Cape Cod. So (laughs) the Democrats don't want to see it either. I say continue busing, continue flying these illegal immigrants, bring the border to them. That's the only they're going to flinch as long as this just remains in border cities and border states it's not going to change the population equivalent of ireland has already invaded since joe brandon took office and that's not going to stop anytime soon until the democrats get a little bit more uncomfortable
0: we've established a long time ago that i've kind of got a dark heart on things and watching these rich entitled spoiled democrats melt down because 50 people Just 50 showed up at Martha's Vineyard. This has been the chef's kiss of hypocrisy, Tommy.
6: Oh, it is. Yeah. And now, again, like I said, now they're trying to say that these people enriched their lives so much. But uh, when they first arrived, it was, we can't take these people. We don't have the resources. <laughs> okay. You've got, you know, you've got a median home price about $800,000. You've got people with estates that are, you know, bigger than several homes put together and they don't have any room for these people. No, I think just keep sending them. If they want to be enriched, Let's keep enriching them via DeSantis Airlines. I'm all about it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Tommy Laren is our guest. Uh, One one last question, Tommy, and uh, feel free to say no to this, but I'm 18. I'm a senior in high school. I play baseball. Uh, my homecoming dance is coming up, and I don't have a date to it.
6: <laughs> well, you know, I would say that I would say yes if you were in Nashville, but I also have a date coming up, and it's, it's my wedding on October 21st.
0: Okay, congratulations. So I
6: think, yeah, I think that might have to supersede it, but, hey, I appreciate you shooting your shot there, and if I'm ever in Indy, which I know I'm going to be for the race – um, you know, let's figure it out. Let's, let's do a little, maybe, maybe they'll welcome me to your campus with the same fanfare they welcomed me in New Mexico. You never know.
0: <laughs> Listen, if you are indeed coming for the race, let us be your tour guides for this. The Hammer and Nigel Show, we will make sure you get the full Indy 500 experience from the snake pit to the fat guys with the back fat and the tattoos <laughs> to all the Americana. Tommy, you're going to absolutely love it.
6: Oh, I can't wait. You've really sold it to me now. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to make that trip at this point. <laughs> uh,
0: Tommy Laren from Outkick and Fox News. Tommy, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it.
6: Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful day. It's
0: the Hammer and Nigel Show. Let's do some legal stuff. Crime. Punishment. Judges. Legal stuff. 16-year-old boy has been arrested after an alleged carjacking. Police say they were called to the area of Pharmacy Avenue and Sesame Street in Toronto. And there was a report of someone with a knife demanding a person's keys and then driving off with the vehicle. Now, again, this happened at the intersection of Pharmacy Avenue and Sesame Street in Toronto. Chris, you used to watch Sesame Street when you were real little. You loved Elmo. Uh, You were a Sesame Street guy, but I don't think I remember it being this violent. Do you? No, Sesame Street sure changed since when I was a kid.
9: (laughs) Boring day.
7: Mom took my car away. Oh, no. Found my way to where a ride is free.
0: They call Jack a car down here on Sesame Street. Oh, come on. <laughs> you know what? And I always kind of sympathize with Oscar the Grouch. Because everybody kept calls him a grouch. Well, hell, he lives in a damn trash can. <laughs> like like when he pops up out of the trash can, he always has that scowl on his face. What do you want him to look, happy? He lives in poverty. He lives in filth. He lives in a trash can. He's got to watch all these other folks walk up and down the streets singing, happy. You know, they're jumping, they're skipping, they're going into Hooper's score. He lives in a damn trash can. I'd be <laughs> upset, too. I'm not mad at Oscar the Grouch. Uh, more legal stuff here. And Chris, this is a your generation kind of thing. Oh, God, here we go. (laughs) There's another viral challenge going on where people are supposed to cook chicken in NyQuil and then eat it. You said NyQuil? Correct. Uh, A recent social media trend encouraged viewers to cook chicken with nyquil and then eat it now doctors and the fda is saying please don't do this this is a horrific idea
8: my wife got sick last night so i'm cooking up some nyquil chicken i've done this in the past and usually i use about you know four thirds of the bottle season that nyquil in there just at the right
2: temperature you don't want to let it sit there and sizzle for about you know five to thirty minutes oh sometimes the steam really makes you sleepy What you're looking for is that blue color right there. Drain the unused right back into the Nyquil can,
4: just like so. And boom, Nyquil chicken.
0: So I'm going to sound like a grumpy old man. I'm going to sound like Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. What is wrong with you people? You're talking to the same generation that used to eat Tide Pods. These are the (laughs) same people
2: that put their hands on the burning stove. This is just par for the course at this point. This is
0: your group. These are your people. I know. But you know what sucks? My generation raised this generation. Good Lord. Maybe we're all to blame here. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC.
1: So let's rock it.
0: It is the Hammer and Hammer show today. Nigel is out. Chris Hammer, my 18-year-old high school senior son, uh, joining me here on the big show. And all afternoon we've been talking about this Marion County Prosecutors Forum that took place last night up on the north side. Now, video cameras were not allowed to go in, uh, but we've been playing back some audio highlights throughout the day. Uh, Let's go to the DriveHubord.com hotline. Somebody that was there last night, Reverend Charles Harrison uh, from the Ten Point Coalition, also the Barnes United Methodist Church joining us. Reverend, you've made it perfectly clear you're somebody that's is vested in the safety in the city of indianapolis safety is a big concern for you it's why you go out with your ogs and walk the streets at night uh take me through what you heard last night from the two candidates for the prosecutor's office
11: well thank you so much for having me today and and uh you know this is uh, really in my opinion maybe the most important prosecutor's race uh, in my 30 years here in in Annapolis, so I was listening very carefully last night uh, to both candidates. Uh, I think both candidates really uh, spoke to, I think, their supporters last night. Um, you know, Ryan Mears certainly has a much softer approach to addressing the issue of crime and violence. Uh, he tended to de-emphasize uh, incarceration. Uh, but focused more on what he believed was addressing the root causes to the violence and uh, building community trust, uh, you know, and working closer with community groups to try to reduce the violence. Um, Where Cindy Carrasco uh, certainly had a much tougher approach to um, addressing the issue of of crime and violence. Um, There was a, a much greater approach Uh, On accountability and uh, incarceration, particularly of those repeat violent offenders. Um, There was a a greater focus on uh, partnerships uh, with the prosecutor's office and law enforcement uh, working together and community groups uh, in trying to bring down the level of violence. So that's kind of a synopsis of kind of what I heard last night uh, from both candidates really focused on Um, you know, the the surging violence that we have seen in Indianapolis over the last eight years.
2: Uh, Reverend Chris Hammer here, uh, what was the crowd like last night?
11: Large crowd. uh, You know, I I would say there was... Three to 400 people there last night from across the city. Uh, You know, the the, the two times that they've had a crime summit, that church has been packed. And, And it was really encouraging last night because I heard a lot of people who I had a chance to talk to are really focused and concentrated on this race from across the city and their concerns about the level of crime and violence that we're seeing in Indy.
0: Did Ryan Mears last night bring up the fraternal order of police and the fact that they've issued this vote of no confidence and completely went all in in endorsing his opponent, Cindy Carrasco?
11: Well, well, certainly that was a question from from uh, someone uh, who sent in questions. And, you know, I don't think he felt like that that was something that was important to him. Um, that he wanted to build more community trust and kind of de-emphasize the, um, you know, that vote by the fraternal order of police.
0: Reverend Charles Harrison joining us. Uh, the reverend was there last night uh, on the north side for this Marion County Prosecutor's forum. One of the things that I keep hearing uh, the current prosecutor say is that the crime is going down. The homicides are going down. You put out a video on your social media the other day that said, technically, the numbers are down from a year ago, but a year ago was a record year, and we're still on pace for over 200 homicides in this city. Is 200 homicides where we're at now? Is that just who Indianapolis is, Reverend?
11: Well, I hope not. I hope 200 homicides are not uh the... the new norm for Indianapolis. And we cannot be satisfied with that. I think if you look at last year's numbers and this year's numbers, I think the big difference between the homicide numbers we had last year compared to this year uh, was the three mass shootings that we had that accounted for about 18 homicides last year. And if you pull those out, then you know the the numbers are not that far apart um and, and I'm concerned when when I hear that because you know you look at the last eight years of Indianapolis, you know here in the city, we have seen you know this this uh rapid uh increase in crime and violence, and even you know if they say the numbers are going to be down this year, it's going to still be the the third highest. Um, number of homicides that we have seen in this city and the third consecutive year, unless we have a dramatic decline over the next three and a half months, um, you know, we're going to be 220, 230 homicides this year.
0: How how did we get to the point to where it feels like crime and public safety have become politicized, right? It feels like it's a Republican-Democrat kind of thing right now. And maybe I'm alone in thinking that, but it feels like that's kind of where we're at. Uh, Listening to some of the highlights of this event last night, Reverend, you know, you heard cheers when Ryan Mears talked about he wasn't going to prosecute abortion cases. On the other side, you heard cheers when Cindy Carrasco said we have to be tougher with repeat offenders. It kind of feels like this whole thing has become political. How did we get to this point?
11: Well, it has become political. And, and for for those of us who have been doing this a long time, I think in the last 10 years, we really started to see a shift, you know, in um, public safety be- becoming more and more political. And I think it's been to the detriment of Indianapolis. There was a time, and I think when we were seeing a great deal of success from the late 90s um, you know, when you had the end of the Goldsmith administration, the Peterson administration, um, you know, in the Ballard administration, I-, I felt like uh, probably until we got to the end of the Ballard administration, um, we had a more of a citywide approach to addressing, you know, the violence problem. And-, and I think it's why we had a lot of success from about 2000 to 2012. We averaged about 96 criminal homicides a year. And it was because Uh, Republicans and Democrats and uh, community and and the prosecutor's office and law enforcement, the business community. We were all working together. But I believe that changed around 2012 into 13. It started to become very political. And I believe that's the reason why uh, this city, has lost this grip on being able, you know, to bring down these high numbers. Not just homicides, but when you look at shootings, uh, when you look at stabbings, and when you look at robberies, most of um, the stores um, uh, and businesses in the urban core are having to close early because of fear of being robbed, and they cannot keep employees because of that fear.
2: Reverend, I'm 18 and a senior in high school. Is it important for people my age to pay attention to the local elections and issues, especially crime?
11: Yes, yes. I, I think everybody has to pay attention um, because if we don't, and one of the concerns that um, you know was expressed in, in 2019, that if we didn't get a hold of this crime and violence that we were seeing in the urban core, that it was going to spread to every area of Indianapolis and then to some of the donut cities around Indianapolis, that uh, it was going to move. I, I think those uh, who are involved in uh, criminal activity today have no boundaries and they will go anywhere and i I think we have to look at it as an indianapolis problem and, and not just a problem that we see in the urban core
0: reverend last thing here before we let you go is there one big problem is there one thing that separates you know itself from everything else when it comes to crime in indianapolis is it the fact that guns um are prevalence in the urban communities? Is it the fact that a lot of these folks don't have a positive male role model at home? Or is it repeat offenders getting out, uh, doing problem after problem, you know, part of that revolving door of the criminal justice system? Is there one problem that's bigger than the rest?
11: No, I don't think so. I think it's everything that you just said. I think it's the combination uh, you know, the broken judicial system, the proliferation of unlawful guns, um, you know, in the urban core, I, I think it's the, the moral collapse uh, within our community uh, where there is no regard anymore for the sanctity of, of human life. I think all of those are, are major factors um, in what has led to Indianapolis, you know, now becoming, you know, one of the most dangerous cities in America. Uh, And until we address all of those issues, I think we're going to continue to see high levels of violence in this city. And and my prayer is, is that we don't move from 200 to 300 homicides a year. And certainly uh, I'm still concerned about that as a possibility in the near future.
0: He is the pastor at the Barnes United Methodist Church. He's also the man behind the Ten Point Coalition, Reverend Charles Harrison. Reverend, as always, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here. God bless you.
11: All right. Thank you
0: both for having me. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on
3: 93 WIBC.
0: Man, this is fun. This is fun. We're having a good time without Nigel today. Uh, It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. Nigel's out. He's bleeding from some part of his body, which means Chris Hammer, Christopher Hammer, my oldest, uh, is with me. It's the Hammer and Hammer Show. And if two hammers weren't enough, let's go to the DriveHubler.com hotline and bring on the crazy coupon lady, Crystal Hammer. We got a whole damn Partridge family kind of thing going on today, don't we?
8: We sure do. Like, we should, like, change our names to the Osmonds or
0: something. (laughs) Um, It's been fun. Like, the boy's been in the mix. You know, he's been giving his opinions on things. I gave him a shot of whiskey in the back office. We're rolling today.
8: Oh, I'm sure he's going to love talking about couponing, mix.
0: (laughs) Riveting. So if you don't get enough of this crap at home, Chris, get ready, because now the city of Indianapolis is going to have to uh, listen to what we get at home. And that is the crazy coupon lady, Crystal Hammer. Now, last week, Nigel asked if you had any deals on, like, clothes or clothing items or things like that. Is there any deals out there
8: for that? I mean, man, I couldn't really find anything other than you can buy gift cards through Ibotta and save anywhere from 2 to up to 7% cash back. Meaning like if you bought a $100 gift card to say Kohl's, you're going to get you know $7 back if it's 7% in your Ibotta account, and then you use the gift card to go buy clothes in the store. Um, other than that, that is about the only thing um, that I was really able to find.
0: Okay, now before we get into other deals that you have lined up for us this week, we have to address what happened during the Beach Grove Fall Festival Parade, (laughs) because the Uh, boy Wonder uh, here was on a float, and he's doing amazing things, and he was just looking for some comfort from his mother afterwards, but you were unavailable because my old man was uh, giving Boss at a little one-two.
8: Dude, I was, I was just, I was in so much shock because out of all the people to go head to head with Hogsett, I never dreamed that it would be your dad. And I mean, if I were in the right state of mind, I would have videotaped it. But I think I was just, I was taken back. Um, And then you guys make me sound like a bad mom because the first thing I said to Chris was you know, your papa got into a fight with Hogsett, well, he enjoys that too.
0: But yes or no, was that the first thing you said to your child? Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> See, Chris, I got your back. I knew, I knew you weren't lying. If anybody's going to be full of crap in this conversation, it's that crazy coupon lady on the other end of this conversation
8: congratulated him for winning third place in the parade.
0: Right, right. And uh, maybe moving forward, Chris, you could turn that into a first or second place, okay? Hopefully. That's the plan. I can't believe you didn't videotape it, though. I mean, come on.
8: I mean, seriously, my I didn't even have my phone on me because I knew that Chris's float was at the end of the parade. So I had the phone, like, sitting on a table up on the porch. So... I didn't even have it on me. And then by the time I realized, I oh, man, I need to get my phone out, I didn't want to miss anything because it was a great show between your dad and Hogset.
2: <laughs> and can I just say, this is the most proud I've ever been of Papa giving Hogsett yeah. the business, glorious scenes in Beach Grove, Indiana.
8: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And me and your mom were up on the porch, you know, giving him the thumbs down, boo!
0: And <laughs> <laughs> like. hey, listen, this is so fun because we said this the other day if there's a hierarchy of who you think is going to get arrested from our family uh my mom is number one i'm number two i think you're number three and you have to go down a long list before you find my dad he's usually a pretty mellow cat but there was something about old boss hog said that brought out uh, got his irish up a little bit
8: him (laughs) right how mellow he is
0: right right now speaking (laughs) of being mellow you got kicked off of twitter this past weekend mrs hammer
8: i know i got kicked off of twitter because i posted a dollar general scenario that you could go out and do on the saturday using dollar general coupons on their app
0: so whoa 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 hold on you weren't kicked off of Twitter because you were spreading lies about the election. You weren't kicked off of Twitter uh, because you had questions about the vaccine. You were kicked off by posting coupon deals.
8: Yes, I. They first of all they sent me this message so every time I would click on the Twitter, uh, you know, uh, icon to go in. It, it would just say, well, if you want to have access to your account, you have to delete this video because you violated a rule. And but it didn't tell me what rule. What
0: I rule? Have. It was an actual deal, and you posted it, about it.
8: Right. So I'm sitting here, and so I fought it. I sent them a message, and I told them, I said, couponing is completely legal. The the coupons that I am using are available to every person that has a Dollar General account and uses the Dollar General app. Nothing is illegal about using coupons to save money. And it took them almost three days before I got my Twitter account back, which I did get a message back from them saying, yes, your account has been flagged, um, un- you know, mistakenly and that I didn't violate anything. But I'm, out of all the stuff that you see on Twitter, how is a coupon video What gets kicked off?
0: You're like the Alex Berenson of the coupon community. You were unfairly kicked off of social media. Then they come back and say, "Oh, by the way, you were right." But still, that sucks.
8: It it really did. Like I, I was mad. I was so extremely mad. But it's all right. I fought it. I won it, and I'm back.
0: You fought the law, and you won. Uh, the I won, crazy right. coupon lady, Crystal Hammer, joining us. All right, let's get down to the nitty-gritty here. What deal do you have for us this week?
8: Um, well, I'm going to send you a video, and let's hope I don't get kicked off uh, Twitter with this one, too, <laughs> um, <laughs> where you can go to Dollar General, and you can get— two bottle, uh, bottles of lotion you can get a packet of laundry pods and you're going to get five toothbrushes for just a dollar 50 plus tax
0: that whole stuff the laundry pods and the lotion laundry, and the toothbrushes yep. just for a dollar 50 yep.
8: A dollar fifty plus tax. Now, the key to this scenario is you have to find the dollar Oral B toothbrushes. And I will tell you that the Dollar General that I went to, they actually had them hanging on a tag that said they were three fifty. But oh. I knew that they were yeah. So, and I knew they were the dollar coupon. So I scanned them in the app. Uh, because there are two coupons that are attaching to those um, toothbrushes or even the crest with scope that um, is just – usually you find those in the dollar aisle. They're just sometimes kind of hard to find. But they're attaching to coupons that are giving us what we call coupon overage, meaning if you buy three – Of the toothbrushes, there's a $5 off coupon that is attaching to those three coupons, and it gives you $2 of overage.
10: Okay,
0: so you have to buy the toothbrushes basically to get the discount, because I know somebody's going to say, well, I don't need that many toothbrushes, but if you want that amazing discount, you got to go forward with it.
8: Right, because you're going to get the toothbrushes for free, plus you're going to get extra money to go towards the rest of the deal. And that's how you get that out-of-pocket to be so low.
0: We will post this on our social media, at Hammer and Nigel. But if somebody wants to follow you for your deals throughout the week, assuming you're not kicked off, where can they go?
8: (laughs) They can find me on Twitter, uh, Facebook, or Instagram. Just search Crystal Hammer, spelled C-H-R-Y-S-T-A-L, and, yeah, send me a friend request, and, you know, I'll prove it. And um, I post deals all throughout the week.
0: So if it's all right with you, I had the digital department here come up with a fake ID for Christopher. We're going to hit the garter after the show, so we may be home a little late. <laughs> well,
8: that's fine with me.
0: All right. We'll talk to you Sounds later. Great. She's the crazy coupon lady, <laughs> Crystal Hammer. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93WIBC. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. Today it's the Hammer and Hammer Show, and we've got the lovely, the talented. Did I mention the lovely Casey Daniels (laughs) in studio, the side piece? How are you? I'm good. How about you? Man, we got a lot of stuff to get to in a short amount of time. Let's start with your Take on that disastrous 60 minutes interview that Joe Biden did. Mm-hmm. The moment he said something, mm-hmm. the White House has to walk it back. <laughs> this isn't normal, is it?
7: No, I, well, what, you mean the pandemic's over?
0: <laughs> Listen, At I'm that, not mad that he said
7: that. Yeah. But let's act like it, right? Oh, okay. So that's the whole thing. The second he said that, it should have been full stop. And let's ask some questions about that. So has the U.S. formally declared the end of the pandemic? The answer, no. The United States is still operating under the public health emergency, which was first declared in January of 2020. And the Health and Human Services Department is expected to renew the designation in October, and then they're going to let it expire in January of 23. So... Could we all get on the same page? Because it was just a month before that the White House response coordinator to COVID-19 said the pandemic's not over. And then you got Kareem Jean-Pierre, she's got to get out there and walk it all back. So the pandemic, they say, is still a problem, except Biden literally said the pandemic is over.
0: Chris, in your school, does anybody still like you know, wear masks or things like no, that? it virtually nonexistent in my
2: school. I might see, like, maybe one, maybe two people the whole day wearing a mask. But when they do wear it, they don't even wear it correctly. It's, like, just around their mouth, below their nose. You can tell it's one of those things where their parents just told them to do it, but they don't really want to do it because they're not even wearing the mask correctly.
0: Mm-hmm. And again, Casey, I'm not mad that the old man walked around and said, the pandemic's over. I just want him to act like it. Let's stop firing teachers. Let's stop making people put these things on uh, if they're going to watch a taping of Stephen Colbert's God-awful program. Let's <laughs> stop
7: with the theater. That's all that I'm asking. Yeah, I agree. And you know what else? I looked up how much money the companies made off of the vaccine. Pfizer reported a 92% growth last year, $81 billion. And then Moderna earned $12 billion, And then Johnson & Johnson, Johnson, $2.5 billion. So good for them, right? Somebody made some money. And the thing
0: about Johnson & Johnson is they were treated as like the redheaded stepchildren mm-hmm. of all the vaccines. You yeah. have Pfizer and Moderna both teaming up on Johnson & Johnson mm-hmm. because they dared to put out a vaccine that didn't feature the mRNA technology. Mm-hmm. And then what do we find out about Pfizer
7: and Moderna? hell, the thing didn't even really work. Yeah, it did Well, I got the Pfizer. You know what? Rob and I can't talk about this because, you know, he didn't get the vaccine. So let me ask you, did you got the vaccine, right? Against my will because I wanted to keep my job.
0: And I hate the fact that this company, or I'm sorry, our former company made us do that.
7: Yeah, you can say all you want. Now you don't work for him anymore. (laughs) So I was in Grand Rapids at the DeVos Center. Yes, the Betsy DeVos place in Grand Rapids when I got the first two shots. You know, it was like going... Going through the turnstile, it was like I was uh, going to see the queen lying in state. (laughs) But when I went to get the booster, I was in my car and I never got out of the car. It was like a drive-through thing. And I remember her saying, You might feel this one, it feels a little different. And I thought, Well, that's weird. And sure enough, within a few minutes, I could feel that booster shot, like, burning inside me. Did you feel that? The only time I've ever had something burn
0: was when I loved a woman <laughs> from Southport who wasn't clean. You're Come Kate, on, Chris. That's a good joke. That's, that's, that's a good one. Joke. That's a good one. I'll give you tell that mom. One. <laughs> you know girls from Southport, Chris. You know that I'm not lying. Uh, Casey Daniels is here. She is part of the uh, Kendall and Casey show every Monday through Friday, Mm -hmm. 9 to noon, right here at 93 WIBC.
7: Okay, so what do we think about the preview of the 24 presidential campaign?
0: Well, I'm somebody that, you know me, I'm a gambling man. mm -hmm. I don't think Joe Biden's going to run.
7: I don't think Joe Biden's going to run, and I don't think Trump's going to have it. So I think it's going to be DeSantis and Newsom. And listen,
0: I think you're going to have a heavyweight fight if that's the case. Now, I'm not ruling out Donald Trump. I'm not ruling out the orange man because he still has such authority, such a fan base uh, on the Republican side. He, If he wants to run, as much as I think Ron DeSantis is probably the best candidate, the safest candidate that you can get across the finish line, mm-hmm. I don't know if DeSantis can beat Trump in a primary.
7: You don't think so? There was a recent poll that just had him eight points ahead in Florida in Florida. In yes. Florida. Yeah, I know. It's not a national level, but I don't know. I think that he makes a lot of sense to a lot of people, and I also feel like a lot of people are done with the the baggage that Trump brings. All the drama. You're right, and I I'm not going to say that
0: you're wrong, but I think there's also <laughs> a lot of people who mm-hmm. feel like the orange man has been getting done dirty for a while. Mm-hmm. They want a little revenge. A little Like that raid yeah. at Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. Did you need to do that? Let's be honest. You just did it to tick him off and to give a middle finger to his base. Mm-hmm. That's all that was about. No, oh, yeah. For so sure. So it's stuff like that. Little things that the Democrats keep doing that kind of keep building him up. They've almost made him into like a martyr now, and that's why I think as good as Ron DeSantis is, and again, I think he's the safest candidate, it It's going to be tough to beat the rock star that is Donald Trump in a primary if he chooses to run.
7: Well, regardless, I'm here for it. I can't wait for all of it to just start getting really good. I do. I do hope that it is DeSantis because I think it's time for Trump to step aside. I know a lot of people aren't going to like me for saying that, but it gets really tiresome.
0: Do you know what I mean? No, I get you. And I think you speak for a lot of people. There are a lot of people that loved what they got from the Trump presidency Mm -hmm. in terms of policies, Mm -hmm. but it was some of the nonsense, some of the extracurricular activity, if you want to call it that, that was a little bit of a problem. You know, I don't think you're going to have to worry about Ron DeSantis calling a porn star horse face on Twitter.
7: (laughs) (laughs) I I would agree. All right, so there's an article right now at WIBC.com that I want to direct your attention to. Take a bite out of Indy's top Ranked Apple Orchards. Now, Chris. Yeah. Is there a young lady in your life?
0: Not at the moment. Mm -hmm. We need to hook him up. I know. We need to find like some hot high school senior or junior or even like a college freshman
7: chris go find you a cougar and uh (laughs) let's let's play matchmaker here casey well i'm thinking that if he had a lady that was special he could take her to one of these highly ranked apple orchards because that's always a good uh, date for a girl right yeah he's more interested in talking about baseball you got a good looking kid here by the way (laughs) um but he was telling me how he's uh he's Thinking about playing baseball in college. Yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. we're kind of toying with the idea. You know, there's some possibilities out there, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. also... You know, he's got a free house here in Indy if he <laughs> right. chooses to live in that, man. And That's this true. Biden economy, stay home as long as you can.
7: Yeah, no <laughs> right. I'm kidding. Stay home, work, make some money. But then again, you probably fart around the house all the time. So he's got to contend with that as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's fun, though, is like it's fun having like the numbers in the house. Cause my wife, Crystal Hammer, mm-hmm. you know, we just heard from the crazy coupon lady mm-hmm. last segment. Let's be honest, when she starts pulling all of her propaganda, It's fun to have a group of three dudes in the house that kind of gang up and say, no, your tyranny ends right here. (laughs) Oh, no. That
7: poor woman. She probably needs a hug, doesn't she? Uh, Well, you can find, uh, back to the apple orchards, you can find the uh, top-ranked ones here around central Indiana online. It's WIBC.com. Go to blogs and then select the side piece.
0: Apple juice or apple cider? Oh,
7: apple cider all the way with a nice, freshly done donut oh mm-hmm. oh i don't know
0: if i've ever had the donut with the cider oh yeah you gotta do that chris hammer apple juice apple cider apple cider all the way
2: with it's not even cinnamon close. stick
7: a little war- warm warm yeah. it up put a yeah, cinnamon stick in there
2: doesn't even matter just apple cider is on a different level than apple juice in my opinion there's no comparison in this
7: hey by the way fall officially starts tomorrow at 9:02 p.m
0: And the temperatures are going to fall
2: like
7: Mm -hmm. a mother. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, We
0: had Marcus Bailey, the uh, Wish TV weather guy, on yesterday. Today it's going to be like 90, tomorrow Mm -hmm. a low of 40. Mm -hmm. And Casey, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but my grandfather, God rest his soul, is no longer with us. He used to say this about the Indiana weather all the time. If you don't like the weather in Indiana... Go to hell.
7: (laughs) (laughs) I love the weather here in Indiana because we get all four seasons. In a week. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes in a day, right? Where can we find the side piece? Right there at WIBC.com. Casey, thank you. Thank you. It's the
0: Hammer and Nigel Show.
4: You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC.
0: It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. Big Nige is out. He's got the monkey pox. Chris Hammer is in. 18 years old, senior at Beach Grove High School. El Presidente, the class president. What have you learned today hanging out here in the big show?
2: Well... I learned that you guys drink
0: a lot. <laughs> and I mean a lot. We we have a little fun from time to time. Um, what else have you learned? So basically, I've learned that I will be the one driving home tonight. That is correct. <laughs> See, this is what's great. When you've got a kid that has this driver's license, that's the designated driver. I knew you were coming in, so boom, the old man got into the old liquor cabinet and... Uh, Having a good time today. I think you've done a pretty good job. Thank you. What's been the feedback so far? Anybody text you or send you nude photos or ask you to prom or anything like that? No, not yet, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm open to it. (laughs) You're 18 years of age now. Anything can happen, right? You can send whatever pictures you want. You are a legal (laughs) consenting adult now. (laughs) Just saying, I'm on Instagram. (laughs) What's the handle? At Chris Hammer Time. At Chris Hammer Time. All right. Uh, When you turned 18 uh, about a month ago, you went out and bought a lottery ticket, right? Correct. You won. I did. I won a whole $5. Have you cashed it in yet? Have you redeemed? I did because I needed money to buy
2: Taco Bell for lunch (laughs) at school.
0: (laughs) What does your lunch like uh, cost now for like one person who's in decent shape? Not like a big fat bastard like me. (laughs) Like for you, when you go out to lunch, what's it cost?
2: It's about an average of $10, depending on which restaurant we go to. Taco Bell is about an average of $10 every time I go there.
0: What's the order? What's the go to?
2: Uh, Recently, it's been the Mexican pizza because it's back. Thank God it's back. (laughs) Been
5: waiting a while for that.
0: Um, So the reason we're talking about the lottery is after eight weeks, um, the Mega Millions jackpot winners have finally claimed the prize. Because there was a story a couple weeks ago that nobody has stepped up yet. Nobody has been willing to say, yes, that was me. I've got the tickets. Two winners. Two winners from this little suburb uh, near Chicago, about a 20-minute drive northwest of downtown Chicago, came forward. They went to a Speedway gas station, which we frequent quite often, Mm -hmm. and uh, they won the lottery. They have agreed to split the jackpot, and they're taking the lump sum payment of around $780.5 million before taxes. So that's what's going on here. If you were to win the lottery... Because again, you can play, you're of age, you've bought a ticket, you're 1-0 and in your lottery ticket uh career. Would you take the lump sum and give up a little bit, leave a little bit on the table, or do you want the annual payments every year?
2: I'd probably take the lump sum and put it into a fund and just straight up retire. Like if I want it right now... Retire from what? Going to high school? Chris, yes. what the hell do you do? Exactly. If I won a lottery, I wouldn't have to do anything because
0: I'm set up (laughs) for life. So, what would be some of the things you would splurge on? Like, because for those who don't know you, you're like the oldest 18 year old in (laughs) the country, right? You like to talk about politics and policy and, you know, the midterm elections in addition to like teenage stuff, you know, chicks and ball games and stuff (laughs) like that. So, what would you do with the money?
2: I'd probably buy. Man, it'd probably be a lot of lunch, just food. I don't lunch. Know. I'd probably save it up. I don't know, <laughs> What honestly. an awful
0: answer. If I won <laughs> the one-point-whatever-it-was-billion-dollar jackpot, I okay, would buy lunch. Okay,
2: I'd probably save it up to try to move to Florida so I don't have to deal with the god-awful Indiana winters, winters that we have here.
0: You are kind of Florida man. I am. Like, don't your fellow classmates call you the unofficial Florida they man? They call me
2: the unofficial Florida man for how much we go on vacation
0: there. <laughs> I do love some Florida.